Hello and welcome to Insurance Tomorrow, brought to you by Allianz. I'm Nick Hewer, and in this series we look at global trends that could impact insurance and businesses over the coming decade. We look at risk, but we also find out about opportunities that could make a huge difference to organisations and the insurance industry as a whole. We've already covered fascinating subjects such as autonomous vehicles, AI and fraud, so don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. That way, you can be sure you won't miss an episode. Previous listeners may remember we've already covered cybersecurity back in 2018, but two years on, it takes the top spot on the Alliance risk barometer for the first time on its own. Businesses are facing a number of challenges, such as larger and higher cost data breaches, more ransomware incidents, and the increasing prospect of litigation after an event. In 2019, Capital One revealed it had been hit by one of the largest ever breaches in the banking sector, with approximately 100 million customers impacted. In the same year, British Airways was given a record fine of £183 million after the website was hacked the previous year. These are just two examples of data breaches in recent times, and companies continue to be impacted. But have the risks changed since we last looked at this subject, and has the business landscape changed the way it thinks and protects itself against these cyber risks? This is what Neil from the National Cyber Security Centre told me was the greatest threat back in 2018. By far the most significant threat, certainly to small businesses, will come from uh, cyber criminals who are motivated by financial gain of what money they can get out of attacking you. And by far the majority of these kind of attacks come in the form of untargeted, non-sophisticated attacks. Examples of that is phishing emails, which we're all familiar with. These are very cheap for these, these criminal gangs to launch. Uh, they don't have to spend a lot of time targeting you. They will just send hundreds of thousands of such emails out. And if anybody uh, falls victim, that's a bonus for them. So you can't really think that as a small business, no one's targeting you because they are. And wherever you hold payment information or personal information, there is a potential for criminal gangs to cash out on attacking you and make some money out of it. Joining me in the studio today, we have Rahan Hussain, Deputy Manager of Cyber, and Susan Crabtree, Head of Product Development from Alliance Global Corporate and Specialty. We have Andy Thornley, Head of Corporate Affairs at Bieber, and also Daniel Pierce, Senior Analyst at Global Data. Let's start with you, Susan. This jump up the risk barometer from 15th, just five years ago, to uh, number one position. Would you put that down to? I think one of the biggest reasons for it is an increase in awareness, absolutely, by everybody. Yeah. There's a number of reasons for that. There have been more breaches. Uh, also, the media have picked up on them, so everybody hears about them more than they used to. And the regulators are more interested than they used to be as well. And, of course, the press love them because they make great stories, don't they? Ran, what, what do you reckon? Would you... Uh, do your thoughts chime with those of uh, Susan? Yeah, absolutely. I think companies now realize how important their systems are to their day-to-day -day business operations. And everybody uses a computer to transact their business. And now when you think about if there was a day or two that you weren't able to access your system, you know, how would you conduct your business? I think a lot of that, just understanding, being more aware, and a lot of these mega breaches that have now come in to the press lately 
are also helping to build awareness. As Susan said, it's really about the awareness in companies now understanding that cybersecurity is a real thing. And also, I suppose, the sheer horror that one slip, one intrusion into the system can wreck your business. It can, it can stall it, it can steal from it, it can put you out of business. You know, it's a dramatic instance. Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you go through a very simple checklist to understand whether or not you have cyber risk, you, know, you, you look at do you hold data, do you conduct any transactions? Is your business, you know, up to the mark at this very moment? How often should you have health checks on it? How often should you have the backup, uh, you know, checked out and all the rest of it? I think that needs to be done quite regularly. And we system scans are very, very important. You know, if you have a strong IT infrastructure in place, it's very important that you're doing regular checks on these. You're running system scans. You're backing things up on a regular basis. So in the event that you have an issue where you are you lost data or your data has been stolen, you're in a position where you can easily recover that data without You've suffering got it a loss. You've away safely over there. Absolutely. So, Andy, we've heard, you know, how serious this has all become, what the main risks are. Businesses and brokers, what's their level of concern? So businesses are concerned about this type of thing. Um, we are seeing uh, an upsurge in uh, interest in cyber insurance. There's still a tension between cyber security and cyber insurance when mm -hmm. it comes to what businesses do. But the more uh, we see different examples of data breaches or cyber breaches in the media, the more it creeps up the public consciousness. So as brokers, we need to understand that this is an opportunity. This cover is well needed. It's, it's vital in some senses. And it's an opportunity for those brokers to go out and speak to their existing customers and say, well, actually, do you have a standalone cyber policy, for example, and have that conversation with the business? Daniel, have the implications changed over the last couple of years, do you think? Um, certainly. I think there's new regulations that have come in uh, that have put increased pressure on businesses to kind of fall in line with data privacy, uh, where previously they, to an extent, could could get away with things. Um, they'd obviously have to manage data securely, but there wasn't necessarily any repercussions in place. Um, certainly, uh, the likes of GDPR have increased uh, kind of the focus on data privacy, particularly obviously across the EU and to an extent outside of the EU as well. Um, so for businesses, there's definitely an increased uh, focus on their cybersecurity protocols um, and cyber insurance to an extent can help with that. Rahan was talking about malware, ransomware, you know, they shut you down and until you pay, they don't let you carry on with your business. So how sophisticated have cyber criminals become? They've definitely increased their sophistication. I mean, only recently we've we've had examples where... Uh, due to kind of global events that have happened, such as uh, the WHO sending out alert emails and things like this, they're latching onto that uh, and putting uh, malicious links in there so that people will then obviously think it's relatable information for them that they need, click on the links, and then perhaps that allows the virus to enter their system. So what are you expecting over the next few years then? Market growth, really, partly due to the increase in probably uh, cyber attacks and then obviously the media fallout that, that will follow that. Um and then from kind of a cybersecurity perspective, uh, a lot of businesses will be looking at kind of where their vulnerabilities are. Um, and I think in part that will relate to cyber insurance. Uh, so rather than the policy only being reactive, quite a lot of policies have some kind of um, preventative measures built into them in terms of fully understanding what the business's risks are and allowing the business owners to to identify them and try and take some steps to, to rectify them. This is where the brokers come, isn't it, Andy? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Broker um, acts in a variety of different um, capacities on behalf of their clients and helping manage risk is certainly one of those aspects. It's something that we've been working with the National Cybersecurity Centre on to look at different aspects. And we've got a couple of new guides in the offing. The first guide is in partnership with NCSC, National Cybersecurity Centre. Mm. And this is a, a, a buyer's guide, essentially. This is for people who buy insurance to understand kind of why it's important, where that fits together with cybersecurity and complements it. Uh, how it can help after the event as well in terms of response and I'm sure we'll come on to that later on um, so that's the first one the second one is in conjunction with a, an organisation which is part of the Prince's Trust called Business in the Community Yeah, and this uh, aims to be targeted towards small medium enterprises SMEs and uh, will give an indication of what a, a decent cyber insurance policy should look like what type of things should it cover cyber crime for example we've already heard that criminals are uh, increasingly using uh, cyber breaches as a means to increase their bank balances at the expense of of our clients so that's really kind of what we're looking to do to try and kind of explain why insurance is important how it helps and then to to skill people into to show them what small changes they can make, which actually make quite a big difference in terms of their um, their threat profile. Rahan and, and, and Susan, what sort of the industry as a whole, in terms of product development, for instance, Susan, what are you up to? I think over the next few years, we're going to see, as far as the insurance product itself concerned, I think we're going to see more services being offered, um, rather than it purely being replacing the loss that the that the customer has, has mm. suffered, we're probably going to start providing, we already are starting to provide more and more services, even if that's pre-breach at the, at the time of breach and going forwards. Mitigation is very important. Something that's important, obviously, especially to small companies, is um, is those type of services rather than just paying for the costs that they've lost those small companies don't have in-house PR teams they don't have crisis communication consultants in-house like the huge um, conglomerates do so the insurance policies are evolving to become more um, a way of a service provider as well as insurance coverage I think that's what we'll see more of. I would echo that our um, brokers customers are increasingly seeing uh, insurance has been a big part of the um, the response service. So you look at forensic IT consultants are really hard to come by. Yeah. So when the screen goes black, who do you call? And your insurance provider is increasingly becoming that person. And that's reflected as well in the government survey, the cyber breaches survey that they publish each year. They've recorded this changing um, attitude as well for how people see this. I think that is a, a really key part of the evolution of these cyber policies the first thing you see on a cyber policy these days is the hotline number for the breach coach so the minute that any when the computer goes black or yeah. whatever's happened there is a 24 7 number that the the client calls and then hopefully all of they're given really good advice as to what to do next from minute one onwards um, and it's for everyone's benefits for the benefit of the client but also as the insurer if they do the right things as soon as possible it will reduce the loss that we then have to pay later on Andy you know we talk about businesses what about the one-man business who does internet banking 
Yeah, absolutely. He's 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 target, isn't he? He's a victim. Potentially. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we've already heard, almost anyone can be a victim. In fact, smaller businesses, if they have a an agreement or some sort of contract in place with a larger business, quite often they can be the back door in to getting into a okay. large supermarket, for example. So, absolutely, the, these people uh, need these cyber policies. In fact, increasingly, we're now seeing large corporates. Uh, as part of their terms of business with these smaller providers, asking them to have a cyber insurance policy with appropriate limits in place. And that education should continue, actually, and be updated as the threat becomes more sophisticated or there's a, it, it goes off in a different direction. Yeah, Absolutely. The The other side of it is is the perception of what cyber insurance is and what it does. And the breach survey that the government runs each year that I mentioned earlier they are starting to see a shift in attitude now from from customers and it's part of the education process. Um, The shift in attitude to start off with was if I suffer a breach, I've done something wrong so my insurance won't pay out. That's shifted now to, well, I'm not going to be fully indemnified. I'm not going to get the full payout, but I will get something and the breach response is really important to me as a customer. What we're hoping to do is to carry on nudging that needle to, to get people to understand, well, actually... As long as I take sensible and appropriate measures, which are in accordance with the policy wording, then that claim will be paid out and you know, will be paid out in full in uh, in accordance with the policy wording. So that's the shift that we want to try and get to, to get customers to understand that actually this is a very, very useful product and it goes alongside cybersecurity For itself. Sure. But you know that the Federation of Small Business said that some of their members were making sort of a choice between business insurance and cyber insurance. Is that imbalance i would say in favor of business rather than cyber is it shifting we think it is shifting so again the government report uh showed growth in both in uptake of cyber insurance but also cyber security the growth in cyber insurance was larger than the growth in cyber security which tells me anyway that you know we are doing a good job in trying to get this message across i think with every breach that happens people are asking themselves the question well how can I pay uh, a GDPR fine of 4% of global turnover, for example? So we are starting to see this kind of movement towards it is important and it is part of the response that I need. Now, Daniel, do you think that businesses have taken on board the damage that cybercrime can inflict on them and how hard it is to keep up with the risks? Um, I mean, it can wipe you out. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think to that point we've done some research particularly on smes uh, and we found that 24 percent of the reason uh, as to why smes have cyber insurance is due to media coverage so it's clearly hammering home the fact that these big companies are getting hit and it's costing them a hell of a lot of money for their revenues so if you were to scale that down for you as a small business how would you be able to pay that uh, so it's certainly making people wake up and realize that you know if they don't have the cover in place um, but it is there, so why not go out and, uh, and speak to your, local, your broker or at least explore it yourself? All right, so Rahan, let's look at the broad spread of business, the sectors. Where is there a, a soft underbelly that's, you know, vulnerable? I think as I mentioned earlier, all companies have some element of cyber risk, and really it depends on the motives of the hackers and on what they're trying to established from from a particular attack. I mean, financial institutions, we mentioned earlier, they've got quite robust security systems in place. They've got a lot of IT personnel working for them, but they still tend to be a target because of the type of information that they hold. They hold money, they hold financial information. 
And depending on what the objective is of the hacker, that type of an institution tends to be a target. Other areas such as airlines, the potential impact on an airline from a business interruption perspective is quite vast. You know, if they had unavailability of their system for an extended amount of time, we're talking about millions and millions of dollars of of loss in revenue, in addition to reputational damage and, and, and things that are unquantifiable at that particular time. But really, going from industry sectors, we, we do classify some sectors more at high risk, but based on a few factors. So some may be more riskier in terms of data, the type of data they hold. For example, healthcare institutions. So they have critical, sensitive data that they hold on patients. It really depends on what sort of what sort of data is being held by what organization. And some fall into that where business interruption is more of an issue for us or more of an issue for that client. And some where data privacy, confidentiality breaches the main exposure. This is somewhere where the regulators are looking increasingly at. So recently there was a meeting with a number of different trade associations, the uh, Prudential Regulation Authority and the Financial Conduct Authority, where they were looking at how we as an industry, as financial services, um, are resilient, what type of things we're putting into effect. Because as Rohan said, you know, we we are targets ourselves. We, we sell cyber insurance policies. We sell risk management advice, but we are also targets ourselves. And... Uh, we we hold a lot of personal sensitive information, uh, and and this is the type of thing which is very very useful to a cyber criminal extortion. We will release this information unless you pay as a ransom, for example. So it it is something that we need to look at ourselves. There's a number of different resources the National Cybersecurity Centre have, uh, which can help brokers and, and other organisations within our sectors, and uh, would encourage our members to look at the advice we've got on, the, on our website, the Bieber website, but also on the National Cybersecurity website because it's a proper repository of advice and resources there. Sure. What about regulation? Because when we spoke a couple of years ago, GDPR had only just come in. I think one of the things that since since the implementation in 2018 that's happened is it's really um, increased the awareness to every single business of what data is, what data they carry the importance of it and also the consequences of losing it or having some kind of attack on that data. Um, Obviously, everyone's always talking about the fines. Now, they're huge compared to what they used to be. I think it's up to 2% of the annual turnover of the company if if there's a breach of the GDPR. But even without that, just the cost of complying with the GDPR is a huge cost to companies or can be a huge cost to companies. Now, other than buying insurance, how can businesses protect themselves? Rahan, have you got any thoughts on that area? Absolutely. I think businesses can do a fair amount of things to protect themselves. One of the things I think almost all companies do well is they invest in protection, so having firewalls and IT security systems in place. What we need to see more of is investing in the detection. So really looking at how monitoring your systems, doing things in, in looking at running system scans, so ensuring that if these malwares have been sitting in your systems for months and months at a time, how do you go about detecting this? I think a lot of awareness needs to be put in that in that particular area in detecting those systems. Also making sure that you have a BCP and an incident response plan in place. And not just having the plan in place, but making sure that these things are tested regularly. It's all well and good to have a, a process in place on how you would manage an event, but if you've never tested it, you don't actually know if it actually works. So testing is always important. Since malware incidents are on are on the rise, it's very important to back up your data, making sure that you're backing up your data daily on a daily basis, ensuring that 
the data is segregated, you know what data you're holding, where it is, and making sure that you're able to restore that data. Backups are only as good as being able to use them at another period of time, so ensuring that that's done correctly. Everyone has touched on how these um, employees clicking on links and phishing exercise. So I think it's very important that companies invest in employee awareness training. And some companies do this quite well. You know, they'll send out malicious emails internally just to have a quick test. They're testing it all the time. Exactly, yes. And, you know, some various people within the organizations do end up getting caught out on that. But really, Mm. it's about just having that awareness in place that if you get an email from an unsuspected person that you're not clicking on things that you're that you're not informed about. So cybercrime's top of the list. There it is. How long is that going to be uh, the case, do you think? Is it there to stay? Cyber insurance is a, a market in its infancy compared to other business insurances. Um, so until that becomes more established and more businesses are aware of that, it, the, the concerns are not really going to go anywhere. And in the broking fraternity, have they got it? This is here to stay. It's it's top of the list. Are the brokers doing all that they should be to make their clients aware of this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we know from government reports that um, the finance and insurance sectors are more likely to get their information from trade bodies than any other source. So we know the role that Bieber plays is really important in trying to upskill and make sure that brokers have all of the skills and knowledge that they need to do this. And as well, if you look at the evolving threat landscape, We've got the rise of the Internet of Things, 5G technology, which introduces a brand new kind of network, which is subject certainly to interference uh, potentially from nation states. So it is only going to get worse. And it's something that you can't stay still on. You need to constantly hammer home this message. Well, it's been a fascinating conversation today. And so many thanks to all my guests, Rahan Hussain, Deputy Manager of Cyber, and Susan Crabtree, Head of Product Development from Allianz Global Corporate and Specialty, Andy Thornley, Head of Corporate Affairs at Bieber, and Daniel Pierce, Senior Analyst at Global Data. And don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app. That way you won't miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed the series, do leave us a review. I'm Nick Hewer. Thank you for listening. And until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye.